This show is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Visit betterhelp.com slash vilefiles because honestly, being a human is exhausting. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Vile Files. I am your host, Nick. Welcome. Glad to have you back. Thanks for listening. Uh, joined by uh, the lovely and wonderful humans, Allie and Amanda. How are you ladies doing today? There is a shocking update. My cousin asked me to be a bridesmaid in her wedding. I did not think I was going to make it. I was a total wild card pick, was not a divisional winner, um, and I'm very excited. So you are glad. Yeah, I'm very glad. I just like she has a lot of really good friends, both from like college and law school. And her fiance has a bunch of like sisters. So I just like I didn't think not in any like bad way, but like didn't think I was going to make the bridal party cut was all good with it. Great. And then shockingly, <laughs> I feel like, you know, it was like when a seven and nine team makes the playoffs. <laughs> it was nicely done. And it, it, you suspect this wedding will have a lot of singles. Oh, I don't. It's in August. So I don't uh, know. In my gut, I feel like I'm of like 2022. Well, okay. Yeah, so like in my gut, I'm like, I think I'm going to be. In a relationship. Either in a relationship or like seriously mentally occupied with someone. Because <laughs> I had a hot girl summer this year and I don't think, I don't think life can sustain two hot girl summers in a row. Why not? I don't know. My own, my own balance. I think when I hot girl summer, I hot girl summer hard. I had a hot girl <laughs> summer for about six years and it was great. <laughs> and that's why we have the STD check. <laughs> uh, we have a great episode for you. Uh, the hysterical and wonderful guys uh, from Veep, Matt Walsh and Tim Simons is with us to talk about life, their experiences on Veep. You know them from uh, popular movies like Old School and uh, The Hangover. Let's get to uh, Tim and Matt. Tim, Matt, welcome. Hey, man. So good to have you. Uh, Thank you for having us. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, you, Matt, you must get this a lot, but the first thing I ever did when I moved to LA was take a class at UCB. Oh, my gosh. You're the uh, second person who's talked about this. Really? What level? Really? How far? Oh, I uh, Just one? Just one. Okay. And then I went over to Groundlings because uh, one of the uh, instructors there I knew, and he, so I just did a little did bit of Did you complete both. Groundlings? I did the first two. First two? Yeah. But I, because I, I also like I, I wasn't very good at like character work, and I feel like I probably needed some work on on that. Yeah, I I liked UCB a little bit better. UCB's cooler. I mean, come on. It, yeah, <laughs> come on. Also, yeah, come on. I have to say that. Who the but, fuck? Yeah. Who the? It was. Who uh, fuck are we talking about? It was. I mean, it was the first thing I did in terms of like taking a class or or working on any type of acting or improv. Yeah, it's a had, good entree. Who was your teacher? You would probably know. I forget her. It was this know. was like six years years ago. She is a, in a lot of State Farm commercials. No, or not all state commercials. She plays a mom in all state. Wonderful teacher. She was great. She 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 had a nice run on some all state commercials. Oh, she awesome! Mom. Hmm. I, I forget. Okay. Anyway, she was lovely. I know you're a founder of UCB. Uh, True. How did you? How did that all start? We were a sketch group in Chicago. We moved here in 96, here, New York. Uh, we moved to New York in 96 and then opened a theater in 98. And we had a TV show for two years, but the theater lived on. And then the people who we had taught uh, when we landed in New York started teaching. And then we had a theater here in LA. So it grew that way. 
Yeah. Let's, uh, and then it, is it also in Chicago in New no. York? Just in LA. Yeah. What do you have against Chicago? Nothing. Chicago's great. I mean, I don't know. You say that in your words, there. but your actions speak differently. I love Chicago. It's one of my favorites. I love Milwaukee too. I'm not a Packer fan though. We talked about a little bit. Like what's, what's going on with Aaron Rodgers would be my only question. Like Describe that guy's season. Well, aren't you a Cal Bear fan? I'm a real Bears fan, but as someone who's watched the meltdown of Aaron Rodgers preseason, yeah. right? He was fighting with ownership, which is basically the only what's cool about Green Bay, they're the only team owned by the town, which is very cool. But are they actually owned by the town or just like, yeah, they're, like but they're they shareholders have, or whatever? But don't they don't like actually have a voice, do they? Well, that's the thing. The t the city owns it. It's like a trust. It's like yeah. a not. Oh, okay. But there's it, a board, I would assume, that's involved in decision It's essentially like a not-for-profit, but they make Tons a of huge money. profit. Sure. A ton, ton, ton of money. It's owned by the city. Okay. You're right, though. Who they, gets the They money? do this nostalgic thing where they like sell pieces of paper to like diehard fans yeah. and call them owners, but they absolutely have no say. They they roll out the carpet like once a year and have a shareholders meeting to like update them on things that they're doing. <laughs> we of we which still they have, have your no, money. We still have your money. Thanks for the thank spending. you for the, all that. So, money. how many owners are there? Is there just one guy that owns it now, or is it still owned by like hundreds of people? Well, I think it's just owned by like a. A, the city or the trust it's uh i don't i don't know the actual logistics i do know the fans who call themselves owners are owners in name not in actual reality do they give money to do they give money to the town like does the is the town able to spend money on improvements or do the improvements only go to the football team well i think the economy in green, green bay, bay is heavily reliant mm -hmm. on the green bay packers so i think there's some the pop-up living room bars are amazing people who live by that stadium and just like invite you into their home for beer or their yard Incredible. it's amazing it's like yes. a college weekend it's really very fun. much so. Have you, have you been to a game there? I haven't, no. I've been to it's, the, it's yeah. a life it's an it's if cool. you're a spare like a I saw the you don't have to be a sports there. fan. It's a it's a very it's cool atmosphere. Yeah. And they will invite you. They're very friendly, they invite you in their home. I remember going to a Packer game once and I'm sitting next to a guy. He's like, hey, We're having a party at our house, <laughs> like after yeah. the game, and they'll just invite you and and it's it's a small it's very much like a college town. It feels like a very small town. And then, and all of a sudden, someone's backyard. There's this massive yeah, stadium. Does whatever, it have the same? We went when we were over in London. We were shooting, uh, like in the third season, we shot an episode over there, and we went to a Tottenham game at the old White Hart Lane. Yes, uh, we went with Jay Feather. Yes, and uh, and Addison brought us. And Ad yeah, Addison was there. But that all does it have the same sort of feeling as that of like these like these old football stadiums, like like your soccer stadiums in neighborhoods in no, London it felt that there's just sort of like you're just your house like the little stone house is across the street from White Hart Lane yeah they're not yeah. stone but yes but it has that sort of feeling you're, to you're, it. yes it's like what is this house doing in like there's the parking lot of the stadium and then there's just these little tiny houses and it just it does feel misplaced like does the stadium belong here or does the house belong here? Because a lot of stadiums are in cities now yeah. or outside yeah. of, yeah. like just outside of the city, kind of like in this kind of vast yeah. Yeah. parking SoFi, lot. Like SoFi Stadium here is just a behemoth, a behemoth. Yeah, you fly over it and it's kind of in this kind of in industrial area yeah. Yeah. where Lambeau Field is just in a, it's like thrown in the neighborhood. Yeah, that's cool. Let's and go. like a suburb, I, well, I was there many years ago, but it felt like a suburban neighborhood. It wasn't like, too city feeling it still oh, no. felt suburban yeah yeah like yards yeah, yeah totally yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 mowing your lawn and, yeah, yeah yeah it's it's should it's we wild. go is the game in Greenby this 
happening. No, baby. it's in it's Chicago. In, it's in oh. So, so what is your hot take on Aaron Rodgers? I hate to put you on the spot. Like, okay. what's, what's going on with him? Uh, as a diehard Packer fan, um, I am team first. First and foremost, I'm no one's questioning your loyalty to the I just, I just want to. <laughs> you don't have to get defensive. I, I no one's to. question. You can harsh on Aaron Rodgers a little bit. I think he's really good. I think he's a, a petty person. I think sometimes he has to. His greatness is a result of maybe his pettiness mm -hmm. as a human being, but as a competitor, I think it serves him well. Uh, I think fans, I'm not a fan. But it kind of sounds wait, like wait, evil. Wait, I wanna, hold on. But so, what's going to happen? Is he going to leave after this year? What do you think's going to happen? I think happen? betting money is he's gone. He's gone, and he burned bridges with the. Does he communicate with the the whoever? I think so. I think media overplays a little bit. Okay, but I also think there's clearly something there, and they did draft a quarterback, and he's he went up he went about it in a way I just didn't understand. Right. Like if you're, I I right. I respect Tom Brady more than I want to respect Tom Brady as a result of how Tom Brady has gone about his career both on the field and off the field. Mm -hmm. And I sometimes, as smart as Aaron Rodgers seems to be, he makes decisions that I don't, I think are to his detriment as his, for, in terms of his legacy. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty, I think he cares very much about his legacy. And sometimes mm -hmm. I'm always like, like, I think you're being too petty because I think you're not playing the long game with how people are going to perceive you. I yep. care less about his legacy than I did a year ago, if that makes sense. Isn't, yeah. isn't the book on him kind of that like uh, people that used to play with him don't really speak of him well as a leader? I actually think he's unfairly criticized for there. That, for that? He's not Brett Farr. He's not an affable, like good old boy. I think right. he's an yeah. introvert. And yeah. I think an introvert in that world doesn't necessarily go over as, as well. I think he's unique and different. I think for a lot of people, they're expecting one thing and they get another. Mm -hmm. I think, so I think, yes, there's a lot of people who he might rub the wrong way, but I think there's a lot of teammates that really like him. Great quarterback. No doubt. Lights yeah. out. Amazing quarterback. And, and, he's, and I've met people who know him and met him and they're like, yeah, he's a interesting guy. Anything yeah. from like weird or interesting to like, I like, he's just, He's not your good old boy quarterback that I yeah. think a lot of people are used to liking. Mm -hmm. You know, okay, but better than Jay Cutler, both as a person. Well, that's not comparing much career-wise. Career-wise, you know, statistics, or, yes, or outside also, but, of but career. But similar, interesting. You bring up Jay Cutler, Jay Cutler, because similar bad impression syndrome, like similar inability to like engender any sort of. Uh, affable or connection to a city like yeah in a way like i think chicago embraced cutler and he was one of the best quarterbacks we had in a long time and we had a passing game for a couple of years uh but teammates seemingly not fans of his at all the difference between cutler and rogers though is i don't think cutler gives a fuck no. if people like him at all in fact i think he embraces it i heard a story about jay cutler at one time he was, is it the don't care? Yes, I oh, don't God. fucking don't care. <laughs> and I think he means it. Yeah. I think Aaron Rodgers very much cares what people think. Yeah. And I think he does a lot of things to try to get people to like him. And they're nice things and generous things. I think it's like State once, Farm commercials. Sure, State yeah. Farm commercials. But he steps in it once in a while because I think his, his ego it gets a little out of control. This and, is not a hot take. But I think also Jay Cutler is a piece of shit. Yeah. Oh, right. and I also think I don't yeah, think Aaron Rodgers is a piece of shit. I would agree. Yeah. Okay. I think Rodgers. I, I think he gets unfairly criticized sometimes. Yeah. And I think sometimes he just 
I, he, I think he has a type of personality that's not easy for everyone to understand. Mm-hmm. Were you rooting for him in Olivia Munn to work out ever? <laughs> I didn't care. <laughs> you didn't care. You I didn't care. I, I pers- Again, this will go, we are keeping track of this and whether or not this is like you're a true fan. Yeah, yeah I don't care. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I, as a, as a diehard sports fan, I, when I got into adulthood, I recognize these are people, mm-hmm. but I don't want to see them as people. I just want to see them as little digital players mm-hmm. on a field mm-hmm. that I don't want to think Very, about their personal lives. You're sort the, of tap dancing here a little bit, but we're going to let you off the hook. You, you yeah. don't want to go hard at, at uh, Aaron. Uh, we're, what a do guest, you think about we're a guest, we're a guest <laughs> in your house right now. I think now. he's we an amazing quarterback. And I, I, I think like the prediction for the game is like if, if the uh, Packers get the ball in the last two minutes, they're probably going to win. Seemingly, that's what he does, even at home. But we'll see because the defense is really good. So he's a great quarterback. Like, who cares? Like, I agree. He's a great quarterback. It's just good to talk about stuff Are you like excited that. about Justin Fields? Yeah, he was a little dinged up. I saw him play in Vegas. We saw him play the Raiders in Vegas. Did John you, you Gruden's game? last game, weirdly. Yeah. Famously, yeah. famously good guy, John Gruden, uh, his Famous. last game. <laughs> Jeez. Noom. Hey, be your best self and get the help from Noom. We love Noom. It's uh, been a, a friend of the show for some time because they are changing people's lives so better. Whatever your health goals are, you know, whatever it is, whether you want to gain weight, lose weight, just eat right, be healthier, feel better on the inside, have more energy, sleep better. Noom can help you get there. Just 10 minutes a day. Noom is based in science and built by psychologists. Noom doesn't give you rules, but instead teaches you how to think. So you can accomplish your personal goal, health goals, stick with them long term and get healthy for good. I love Noom. It's helping me maintain, like, you know, for me in my life, I just want to kind of maintain my current health. And, and Noom has really helped me do that because there's so many temptations and ways to cheat and, and get off track. And Noom has really helped me maintain course. And I really appreciate it. Every Everyone's busy, and that's why Noom doesn't demand much of your time. It only takes about 10 minutes a day. The best thing about Noom is that it's habit-based and helps you uh, make healthier habits over time. Over 80% of Noomers finish the program and over 60% have stuck with their goals for at least a year. There is science to getting healthier, and it's called Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom, N-O-O-M.com slash V-I-A-L-L. Learn how to get healthy with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom, N-O-O-M.com slash V-I-A-L-L. But uh, yeah, we saw them beat the Raiders, and that was fun. And so the defense is pretty good, so we'll see what happens. But I just... This is not. I was trying to Google the Bears Packers spread, and it auto corrected four and a half. Oh, great. Okay, well, it so. auto corrected to Bears on knees spread, and a bunch of stuff came oh. up that is not. <laughs> it's not appropriate. That <laughs> I had to like back out real quick. So four and a half is the line. Packers, right? Yeah, Packers are favored in at uh, Soldier Chicago. Field. So yeah. it would be. What then? Seven and a half. It was at if it was at Lambeau. I think is probably usually, sure. It's touchdown. like a three point home field advantage. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm sure my audience of women are super interested in the spread of the Packers yeah. Bears game. <laughs> yeah. I am. That's well, a, I mean, it's been great being here. I feel yeah. like we've we've really comfortable living so we, room conversation. Certainly, uh, that's what we 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 try to do. Uh, but that's it, right? Is we your audience a lot of women? About, we were like just here to talk about the Bears Packers spread. Okay. No. Sorry, ladies. No, I love it. I, I sometimes, sports. you know, last so we had uh, a wonderful guest last week, Remy Bader. We talked about fashion halls and and uh, design. So for okay. me, this is 
It ebbs and flows. It's great. Yeah. I like to mix it up and challenge my audience <laughs> to think outside <laughs> the box. This way, like, you know, we have, there's a lot of w women sports fans. And yeah. sometimes, even if you're not sports fans, it's nice to drop some knowledge with your boyfriend or her husband. You're educating and them. Talk like, about the spread. And yeah. Just, uh, ladies, if you want to learn about the Bears, just check out a guy named Roquan Smith. He's a beast of a linebacker. He's a phenomenal, <laughs> might be defensive player of the year. Just phenomenal. Is he, he having pass a good cover year? And he's a giant man. And he plays tough as nails, and he's coming into his own. So he's a big leader. So we Chicago has their linebackers. They always. I do. feel like well, last year we didn't, and this year we do. And then on the Green Bay side, Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers, one of the biggest you know passing teams in the NFL duos. So it'll be interesting. I'm just giving that to the ladies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they they appreciate it. Um, you guys have your new podcast out. Uh, where you uh, rewatch Veep, mm -hmm. and obviously you guys were on that for the entirety of the show, seven mm -hmm. seasons. And it's a really fascinating concept that you guys are doing. Obviously, people have been recapping popular shows before, but with with your podcast and, and Veep, it's very much embedded into today's culture, or or certainly when it was on. And watching your first episode on your podcast, you talked about how I thought it was really interesting. A lot of your writers would go to DC and try to like you know find out what's really going on in dc and have it be real world and i'm assuming you guys spent a lot of time then and even now that you're recapping thinking about um you know how would the show cover certain things or pressworthy things that are going on uh in the world today and do you sometimes for that reason wish the show was still going on or be, to, to think about how the show would talk about right. certain concepts and topics or and the divisive world that we're in, are you thankful? Hey, you know what? I'm glad we're not even, we're out, we're out of this. I'm, I'm actually, for a few different reasons, I, I am glad it's over. I mean, I think that it went out at the right time, just for the amount of time that we had spent there. Um, it felt maybe like leaving a moment too early rather than a moment too late. So Tim, much like Aaron Rodgers, burned some bridges. At I burned some like, bridges. He's kind there. of surly. He cares what people thinks. Some and of he my is old a good person, but his his first impressions sometimes they he leaves the room and he doesn't resolve what he created. You know what I mean? And he's unaware of it. Sometimes my former teammates or co stars might describe <laughs> me not as a leader, or I might be unfairly criticized for that. Now, your, um, your character or you as the person uh, or both? Me as the person, just Tim Simon. Because ironically, your character was someone who didn't give a shit about what people thought or it seemed seemingly yeah. like. Yeah. Uh, was not was not particularly worried. As long as he had power, he didn't he didn't care. Yeah. But I, so I feel like the show went out a moment too early rather than a moment too late. And to be honest, like I think the like the more and uh, the more and more we get into like the current political climate that you it, it's it, you can't satirize it like uh, the show became a little bit more of a blunt instrument rather than a scalpel as it went along because that was the only tool you had to fight how ridiculous the reality became yeah so i don't i actually don't envy anybody that's trying to do political satire right now because it's beyond it is beyond parody like how would veep handle things like cancel culture do you think like how would it discuss they her? Cut, they touched it a little bit where Selena, I think in the last season was, went back to Smith College and weren't there like protesters? That's right, yeah. For something. But you, they didn't go into it deep. But I don't know. I don't know how you would uh, approach 
you'd put Celine at the center of it and she would do something dirty to make to save the day. She would try to right? get somebody else canceled just to like take over. She would like leak a story about somebody else so that that person would take all the heat to get herself uncanceled. Did you guys find yourselves to become more political or less political as a part of being a part of that cast and, and talking about politics a lot? I personally became more educated in politics through the yes. show. It was a great window into, you know, we got to, I got to meet several historic, you know, press secretaries who worked for historic presidents, yeah. obviously. And uh, we got access to the White House and we got access to like staffers and like chiefs of staff, like really bright people or seasoned veterans. And so, and then having people on set like Frank Rich or like there's like these minds, Arm, Arm and obviously Dave Mandel, these people who are just political geniuses and also comedy geniuses in a way. And so I felt very enriched by the process. So I think I became more informed completely by the process. I wasn't really apolitical. I was like averagely political. And now I'm a little more educated, I'd say. What about yeah. I would say the same. I, I was not a great high school student. So a lot of this in a way was like a civics class for me, like kind of learning about like a lot of the minutia about how the government worked generally. Tim didn't but, know there were 50 states. Oh. I did not know that. Until Veep. I was thinking Until like Veep, solid. Right? Yeah, no, like solid. You saw 50 chairs in the Senate or 100 I was chairs like, in the Senate. I was like, why are there four extra? It's like, wait, wait. I thought there was 13 Alaska and Hawaii. No, yeah. He didn't know about. Um <laughs> So I definitely like learned a lot more about it, but I also like, I was always somebody that was definitely, I was not apolitical before, but I do, I do also feel like you get to see you, I don't know, you get behind the scenes a little bit and you start to like, it demystifies some of it. And there are times where I like recognize, like, even if I am aligned with a political party that like, sometimes I am being spun by my own party. And like, you kind of like look mm -hmm. for like, you look for the thing behind the thing. Mm -hmm. You know, rather than just sort of like blindly saying like, oh, like, well, why are they, you know what, I, I don't know. Like I, I got a little bit more cynical, but also I feel like I did learn, I did learn a lot about it. And it's it. also like the seasoned political minds that say we were exposed to, mm -hmm. their ability is to go like, do you think, you could ask them, do you think this bill will pass? And they're like, no, what's going to happen is this. They can like kind of tell you yeah. in a predictive way, generally, generally how something, because the news Obviously, when it comes at you, it's like overwhelming. And then obviously more days go by. So you get more information around the issue. And so then, you know, you can react a little more educated. But people who like follow politics forever, they can really read the tea leaves. And that's what's, I think, a smart mind is like they can kind well, of see how something plays out. I, I, I like hearing stuff because when I watch Veep or even in a different way, House of Cards, when they try to show like an insider's point of view of the politics and right now, especially now when you watch the news or all the different outlets and platforms that talk about politics, the divisiveness and how angry it is. And then you watch some of these other shows that behind the scenes and they, they humanize in a lot of ways, politicians and things like that. And I find it a little bit more calming to be like, you know, but these probably are people and the, the jokes or how they make you guys like would tease each other or make fun of yourselves or the characters. Mm -hmm. And I, I found that to be, because when you've, you know, this isn't a political show at all. And I, I've, as far as politics, when I was younger, I was more into it. Now it's just more, I find it to be exhausting and disheartening and just for all those reasons. And when you, I would watch, veep it was this more it, it made me think these people are more more human when you would talk about 
I, it made me wish that you would hear more of the human side or just the honesty, I think, which all people want from their politicians, not the perception of honesty, you know, like mm -hmm. a, you know, an, you know, a Trump who's like, he tells you what he wants. It's like, yeah. you know, sure. Uh, but it would be nice to say, cut the bullshit. Here's what's going to happen. Let's not waste our time. But there's a theatrics when it comes to politics. And it was fun for me to watch Veep and, and peel some of that back. Yeah. And, and found that to be insightful. Mm -hmm. I always like the fact that like a, a politician in hearing that would be like, would not think, oh, I need to tell them more honestly what I believe. They would just think, I need to find a way to fake being more honest about something I don't believe. Like they wouldn't hear that and be think like, wow, I should be more authentic. They'd be like, wow, I have to figure out a way to pretend to be more authentic. I'm not coming off as honest enough. It's yes, yeah. I'm not coming off as honest that. enough. How do I sound How can I, I, I come off that? more honest? Yeah. Did you guys ever have conversations with the people you got to meet about why they would think that way as opposed to well, doing it a certain super more, more powerful way. people. I don't think, I, like, I've, I've never like sat down with Obama or somebody like sure. that. I've never met super powerful people. But the staffers, you know, the in some ways, what I liked about Veep was it's timeless truths. Like, there's human beings trying to administer and execute laws, and there's egomaniacs and power hungry bastards at mm -hmm. the top of it. And you're serving those people. And sometimes you can push, you can squeak something through that maybe helps your town or your state or whatever. But that's the game. But that's in some ways held true for like all of politics, at least in like, say, democratic America in a way. So I don't know. I, I like the grand truth of it. You don't know her party ever. You know, like it's not like painting one side against the other. It's sort of, at least in its beginning stage, it's not painting anything really. So I, I like that about Veep. And yeah, I liked, yeah, that was great because it was more inclusive that way. There is something. Yeah, and it's a bigger truth, I think, yeah. in a way. Like, obviously, you can go deeper on that. And obviously, the show reflected current pol politics. And it was a, an amalgam of, like, contemporary issues. And obviously, now doing a show where she tweets is not relevant yeah. anymore. Or, yeah. Like, so it does, it has to be dialed into what's happening now, in a way, in an honest way. Uh -huh. Tim, you were... Saying. no i was just thinking about like in talking to people out there like the the there was that thing of like it wasn't really a part of the conversation like like oh should we be more honest i think it was really just like maybe it was just a cynical time but it was just sort of like what is the value of actually telling the truth like everybody knows there is no value in telling the truth i don't know does that make sense there is yeah well i mean i Maybe there isn't. I don't know. There, there, I mean, there kind of isn't at that level. Like there is no value. Like, what are you going to get out of telling the truth to somebody at that level? You're just going to lose your job. Like it doesn't matter that like, I, but I guess like we are now living in like this sort of hyper realized version of that where yeah. you think like, you know, where we think about like, oh, well, how are, how is, how is, how is somebody going to get away with saying that Donald Trump did a great job handling COVID, which was very dangerous, and also denying that it COVID is dangerous. You're like, wow, how could they possibly put those two things together? Well, now all they have to do is just do both of those things, and it doesn't matter. So, like, there is, there is no value. There is no value in telling the That's truth. That's so scary. And they're they are just like truth. yeah, like they'll they they get. Well, it seems like the simple value in telling the truth is you can keep your story straight, like. 
It's almost simpler, like that's in a, in a practical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're right, like yeah. human beings being utilitarian animals, like the path of least resistance. Yeah, avoid pain, seek pleasure. Like we're sort of driven by some of that. So, like in a world where like you have to keep your lies straight, it is sort of easier to just keep it real. I think, and there's a version of like these dynamic politicians. I don't know, people make fun of me, but like, I think Obama in some ways is, was a real deal. Like, I know he had to play the game and stuff, but a guy like that comes in the room and he does have a dream and he does have hope. I don't know if that's all manufactured in baloney. Like, I think he believes it. And then maybe it got beaten out of him after yeah. eight years. But I do think like, and obviously the machine preys on those people in some way because it's like, oh my God, we got our guy. We can still make money or what you know what i mean yeah. like so people attach to those real deal people and that's where like corruption can happen but i do believe that in a truthful way like when we met Jim, we're such name droppers we got to do this ridiculous thing in france for uh we met james carville and did a panel with james carville like right in the south of france like Cannes, oh, wow. and it was amazing and he i remember he of course just regaled us with his stories about politics and he said it's like it's either like message or presentation he's like i'm a message guy like what's your message like what are you saying as opposed to the presentation like what does it look like what's the the shine of it what's yeah. maybe perhaps the slickness of it but what are you substance substance substantively saying so you can approach it that way i'm not saying you always succeed but i still think you can approach it that way it, it but yeah so that, but sometimes tr trying to tell the truth is incredibly exhausting in yes. certain yeah. aspects. And yeah. I think people give up sometimes on that. I'm just saying fewer lies. I'm not like <laughs> being a Pollyanna about it, but I think fewer lies is probably easier to navigate. I think that holds true day to day for most people. But I do think the politicians now, they, 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 it doesn't matter. Like a lot about the show was like here, you know, oh no, we like, we talked out of both sides of our mouth and now it's like you know like that is the like the political reality has changed where it's just like right. oh yeah no we were we talk out of both sides of our mouth now we don't even have to try to hide it we told you one thing we told this person the other thing and that doesn't Don't believe what they want to believe but they're both true yeah. they're both true it doesn't it doesn't matter and do you you met James Carville on the did you get to meet him on old school cuz he uh, I don't know if I was there, there that, that day, day. Yeah. I guess I probably didn't I always I love James Carville yeah, my grandfather was born in Algiers, so I have like a big, I have a big thing for anybody from New Orleans. Oh, I uh, I used to watch him on in college, and when he was on, was it Crossfire? Was, was yeah, he yeah, on that with yeah, Tucker. Oof. Yeah, he was. You're yeah. right. Famously wonderful guy, Tucker Carlson. <laughs> <laughs> him and John Gruden will have a show. Yeah. coming up. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> you heard it here first. Oh, Jesus. Um, They'll get paid $40 million a year each to talk about how crazy it was to be canceled and how nobody can hear them anymore. <laughs> they don't have a platform. They don't have a platform because they got canceled. On Veep, kind of piggybacking on what we were talking about before, like I was watching, I was catching up and rewatching some episodes and there was a line how um, everyone, all the administrators were the one. It, I think the line was, it'd be easy to run the country without the president but or have to dealing with him, but this is the world we live in and it was the people behind the scenes who are really running things in the country how much of that do you think is satire or how much did, how much truth do you think is in lines like that when it comes to from what you guys learned both on the set and, and talking to people in, in, in politics 
I, I listened to it. I was just like, I wonder how much that is true. Mm. Well, I mean, well, there is yeah. that. I mean, like, I think back to a story about like healthcare getting passed when Obama was in, and like it just came down. To, there were like some you know congressional holdouts, and what it really came down to was like Obama's not doing all the work. He's not writing the bill. Like, you know, he's not doing, he's not no. crunching numbers, no. but like at some point it wasn't going to pass. And we heard a story about how at one point there was a meeting and out of nowhere, Barack Obama walked in the room and was like, guess what? This is happening. This is happening and you need to get on board. Otherwise, here are going to be the consequences for you as politicians. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of what it became like. So you ultimately... I do think that you need somebody that has that kind of, like to be able to get that many people going in the right direction, you do need to have a strong leader. Yeah. You do you need to have it's someone like, who yeah. actually takes responsibility and is like, I'm going to lead us through this. I do but, think you need that person. Yeah. But, like playing your name on it. So yeah, speaking, quarterbacking yeah. it. Yeah. Connect. You have to connect with people. You, you don't just have to have good passing ratio. You have to be a human being in the in the huddle, and I mean you can't have teammates coming and out if later you're and like saying Jay, you weren't if you're a great coming leader. off like Jay Cutler, then you need to do some work. That's yeah. all I'm yeah. going to say. Yeah, whoever's listening to your podcast, you have to care. Famous, wonderful if guy. If you're listening, Jay Cutler. If you're if you're coming off a little bit like Jay Cutler, then you need to look in the mirror and you know, yeah. you need to say like, what can I do to understand myself a little better? Because I don't want that. If Jay Cutler listens to this podcast, I want him to look in the mirror and say, why am I a piece of shit? And then just go from there. Figure out why. Is there any part of you that is someone who wants to be liked, envies the people like a Jay Cutler, who, what's the balance between not caring what people think? Because there's a lot of truth to what other people think of you is none of your business, but yeah. at the same time, having the moral compass to like, you know, be kind and courteous and... and like you, it's all one thing to not care what people think about you as opposed to taking advantage of the gifts you're given and just yeah. being miserable to be around. I don't, I think there's too high a, I don't know. I mean, like you have to have, I mean, he has a lot of money so he can do that. Like I don't, like he has fuck you money so he can be a little bit like fuck you. But I do think that there's a cost to, there is ultimately a cost to living like that. Like I don't yeah, care what you or, think. Yeah. Yeah, or is it like bipolar disorder or something? Like, who knows? But like, there is a cost to that. And ultimately, people can only be who they are. Like, at some point, like, you know, I don't know how much people can change. It's, you know, you're an adult. That's who they are. Do you think that with uh, fame and being in the public eye, you have had to close off a little bit more or you've become more empathetic to people around you? I've become i am not famous but i am recognizable and so i have become more empathetic to people who are in the public eye in that way of like everybody assumes that that's something they want until it happens and it's like oh that could be bad so like i am like i am empathetic but before where i would just be like whatever stop stop whining you get to do you get to do this thing that everybody wants to do now that they're, if that makes sense, like I am more empathetic to people that are in the public eye in a huge way. Yeah. And yeah. I like Tim, I'm not famous, but I am recognizable, I'd say, but I do have sympathy for people who are under constant scrutiny or, you know, just judgment or harsh, yeah. obviously in the social media world, they're being judged or, 
I don't know. It it must be brutal. So I don't wish that on necessarily anyone. Although some people bring it on themselves, like they want that notoriety and they want to be the public conversation like constantly. And it's like, good luck. Yeah. Because then you lose or they uh, maybe they're laughing all the way to the bank. So whatever, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. But to me, it's like you do lose, there's your work life or your creative life. And then there's your life. Like, I think you do want to preserve a little bit of like sanity or something like you don't want to give it all away you, you want to have like a stable little thing that you can just chill out and you don't have you know nobody's expecting anything from you it's yeah. not a competition but i do you're you're more famous than i am it's not a competition we're not sure i'm older and sure but whatever but i'm i'm saying that in the world of like having some sympathy for people it's i don't know there's different sides of it some people launch themselves into that want to be 24 7 in the heart of the conversation and then they get knocked down because they won't shut up. Yeah. It's like some people, and then there's like people, I start with the, uh, my reset or default position is like, who really cares what I want to say about anything? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I can't dissect politics. I can't like judge somebody in pop culture. Like in a way, like I have enough humility to realize like, cause we'll go to red carpets and people will be like, I don't know, like, they want a hot take on John Gruden, let's say, or something. I'm sure. like, that's terrible, but I'm not going to like figure it out right here. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's like, that's awful. And he had to go. Yes, that's true. You know, but after that, like, I don't know, like, so in a way that like the culture wants you to do that or in the way that some people in the spotlight want, you know, are judged that way. I don't envy that. Yeah. I remember, to I remember Tony Hale, when we first started on the show, he was talking about like, being recognized he's like it's a very weird thing and eventually you do get over it you get past it but like you start noticing that people recognize you yeah. and then you start looking for people to recognize you and it's a weird shift when that happens and mm -hmm. then there's a shift where you then just go back to trying to not notice it or like recognizing when it does happen but like i can i can get why people like they get like a little hit of of people recognizing them being like, well, I'm just going to chase that at all costs. But like, do you engage with that? Do you engage with your celebrity? Obviously people love you that listen to this, let's say. Yeah. Do I you mean, engage with them. Did you, I you try my best. I'm it's hard, hard for me. I, I have a very strong introverted side. Mm -hmm. Um, and, but I'm like right in the middle. So like, I don't, I like going out. I like being social, but I'm like a introverted socialite. And so, the thing about reality TV is you're very much known f for who you are. Like you're, then you know your name. It's your actual likeness. You're not necessarily even playing a character. Yeah, you're, you're playing a character of yourself. And so at, at the height of it, you can be very much. You, yeah, you like like Tony mentioned, you can feel it and, and see and it's, it. And it's it, I get very awkward at times or self conscious, and there are moments where. Uh, you're like, oh fuck! What did I say? Did I say that I do something, or was I nice? Or you know, you always try to be, and it it, it you get in your head a lot. I have, and there sure. is that thing like stand-up comedians. I'm assuming deal with this quite a bit, but like we have the ability to hide behind characters. We have the ability to hide behind that. But when you are like, but when it is like, you know, when yeah. you're known as yourself, you know, then it's sort of like the separation can be hard. The separation can be like, oh well, this is the public version of me that I sort of have to keep up and then there's just like the i don't want to talk about this but you know what i mean like if i don't know yeah no totally it's 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 something i've always struggled with um i've never been good at it but at the same time i have embraced it and i've 
you know, before I was ever on a reality TV show, I sold software in Chicago. And I quit that and came out here and took a UCB class and was like, I'm going to see if I can do something with this, not totally knowing what I wanted to do, but mm -hmm. I wanted to work hard and dive into it and do the work and, and see what would happen. So it's it's kind of like I wasn't good at it and I'd be awkward, but I definitely, there is a drug aspect of it. Like you like you said, like like there are times you catch yourself looking you know, mm -hmm. and being super hyper aware. And then you ask yourself, like, am I looking because I being self-conscious or am I looking because my ego is searching for validation of some kind? It's like a really weird thing. I'm not going to say that COVID only affected me. Okay. <laughs> All right. That'd be but, a, that would be a ridiculous thing to we, say. Okay. But, but, but. <laughs> when you are recognizable, you'll go into coffee shops sometimes and some people are like, oh, hey, I really like that show you're on. Can we buy you a cup of coffee? They're like, yeah, that's awesome. It's like a great thing. And then COVID comes along, you got to wear masks. First, you can't even leave your house. And then you got to wear a mask when you go to a coffee shop, if it's open. And they don't recognize you from a TV show. Did you find yourself like pulling it off and, and holding it down for a three second count? Just you know, in case? I mean, like I should, I should like come up with a way to do it. I'm just saying like, I know that I'm not the, I know that COVID did not affect me only that i was only. not the most affected by this i'm just saying that like we're talking about the people that were most effective i feel like i'm up there why don't you just get a photorealistic mask that just continues <laughs> just your face the outside. proportions never work i doesn't work it. the proportions oh, okay. never work do you ever just that is a bummer man yeah. do you have do you have a therapist you can deal with this i with? have two therapists all right you should bring this this is a tough i one. talked to both of them about it they both didn't agree do you really have two really? therapists no i don't <laughs> That'd be amazing. Like you pick it. I just go to whichever one tells yeah, me yeah, that I'm right. Listen, you're not telling me what I, I want do. to hear. I have one for my celebrity Matt Walsh, and then I have one for mm -hmm. my real person Matt Walsh. Dude, I was uh, in prepping for this interview. <laughs> I was googling you guys, and there is another popular Matt Walsh. I know. Oh yeah, just happens yeah. to be a very divisive right wing conservative, yeah. famously <laughs> wonderful guy, other Matt Walsh, and I the I. I we don't. I don't have to get into your politics, but I could only assume that no, we have you didn't necessarily get anything in common, in common with this guy, view. and yet, what is the the rise of his this, this divisive culture that we in? Have you intersected? In, We've never intersected. I've never engaged. I have been mistaken for him on social media. Yeah, have I'm you like, gotten like weird DMs? People being are like, like, "Fuck you, man. fuck you, man. Leave him alone," or whatever, because he is a provocateur and he yes. says what I would consider to be like ignorant things to provoke people yes i think and so but i've never engaged him and it is a little weird and i don't know like in some ways he is a bigger celebrity than me because he does trend on twitter and he's like people are all over him so and he's pushing his name in a way yeah. like as an actor you don't necessarily do like kind of we just talked about you kind of hide behind the character sometimes yeah and he's more so i don't know that there's necessarily confusion but there is another matt walsh yeah i don't know that i'm confused for him other than people might react they might see yeah, i was just something. more curious if you have a, like a random story or random dm where someone like was wanted to dm him or criticizing you talking to the wrong guy or uh no then, but i have had like hate on like social media a little bit and I, I i'll clarify it when i see it but i don't really i'm not super active on social media either so like whatever okay uh, you are heavily involved in a foundation, uh, the name escapes me, forgive me, but it's about uh, 
having more LGBTQ uh, literature and books. My wife started a charity. This is, must be in the press release. Uh, yeah. <laughs> My I, wife has a charity. We have a very strong LGBTQ community to listen to this podcast. Yeah. I thought it was a really cool thing. It it's, is a cool uh, Awareness thing. and, and is representation cool is, a, is important. And I was just curious how you got involved in something like that. Well, I'm a board member and uh, we have uh, our oldest son, Jude, is gay. He told us he was gay when he was like 11 or something. And it was wonderful and also very normal, like whatever. Sure. And uh, somewhere around that, my wife met a gal, Keiko, and she and Keiko started this idea that they would put books in public schools, which librarians of public schools love free brand new books. So they're already on the right side of learning. And they're stories where the heroes aren't your typical star uh, hero, or they like sort of are more in the spectrum of like LGBTQ or they're just like different heroes. You know what I mean? And so what it does is like it gives free books to schools, public schools, not private, which are starving for new books. And it also, when kids read those books, kids who feel different feel okay once they see that hero. And they're young, you know, they're for elementary kids. And then the kids who aren't dealing with that perhaps are a little more like in tune with it and perhaps more, I don't know if tolerance is the right word, but they've Sort of like they can recognize it and say like, I think I have a cousin who's like that or something. You know what yeah. I mean? More inclusive. More inclusive, yeah. Where they get to be the hero. Yeah. If, you know, because you, as a kid, you think you read these stories and if you could uh, find something about yourself that you identified with a character, you could be like, I could be that guy. Absolutely. Or girl. And now that you have... So LGBT, there's kids yeah. who read that those books and feel, let's say, before they read a book like that or see a movie like whatever... Uh, there's no one like me where I'm from. You know what I mean? They yeah. feel that. And then a book makes it a little easier to know like, oh, there's other people like me. As yeah. well as kids who don't deal with that. They sort of like, oh, wow, that's neat. As a, Yeah, because a kid, like a feeling can make you feel outside the box, so to speak. You know, you and I have a sister who came out not too long ago. It took her till she was 18. And we, I grew up in a very Christian conservative household. My parents have very much... Uh, progressed and evolved in a way that when she came out as a really positive thing but mm -hmm. 15 years ago if you would have said hey you're gonna have a, a child who's gay I, I would have been like oh one home mom and dad are gonna handle that one <laughs> you know like and the, beautifully they've done a, a a really great job but you just yeah. you talk about like you know when talking to my sister like how she felt you know and in that feeling of if are my feelings okay i think it's really cool to to acknowledge it is okay at such yeah, an early age. It is. And obviously, if you keep a big part of yourself quiet, like it can turn into trauma or like worst case, kids start harming themselves because they don't understand why they have to be this way. And, and your son came out at 11. That's very young. Is age, that, yeah. That's pretty young, is it? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, like maybe not as much of, anymore. I don't know. I don't know the stats, but it wasn't really a thing. He was just always curious that way. Mm hmm. And I think mom and dad were already ahead of that sure. in a way, and it was all fine, and so far so good. That's great. Yeah, yeah. Are you involved in? Are you doing any, anything? Yeah, other what are you than, doing for the world other than trying to get a free cup of coffee? I. Uh, <laughs> well, you Thank say you that that's a bad that. thing. You say that that's a bad thing. Like the, I do so much good for the world when I take that free cup of coffee. Well, you're making someone's day by going. I'm into making their just. Cafe. I'm really just in there. 
I'm spreading smiles. Do you give smiles. them a, if they buy you the coffee? Do you offer a selfie, or are you just like, thanks, man? No, I just I then like I tip like what I would have spent on the coffee. Have you ever offered so, like, a selfie? If somebody selfie? gives me go. the coffee, I just put five dollars in the That's tip good. jar. Have you ever offered a selfie? I always, I do. I don't if, know what to do in that situation. Every blur fan, I do. I, I feel like there is a weird thing where I, I does it. You don't want to be presumptuous and yes. be like, "Hey, do you want it?" I'm just waiting for the no. But also, like sometimes people don't want to ask. Yes, and so, but usually I leave it up to them. Yeah. usually i leave it up to them because i feel like one time it did happen where somebody was like hey man love the show blah 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 and i was like oh yeah great i yeah do you want to take a picture and he was like no yeah <laughs> and then you're like well, what the fuck uh, i've had yeah. that happen and i wanted to die yeah, yeah. how do you I, like i, I always know say you like hey do you want to buy me a cup of coffee yeah yeah <laughs> Do you no, need I, me to wish I, you a happy birthday? Do you have a family member i can send a video to or? they're like no i just i don't know i just recognized you from that thing I'm on the board of a uh, of a charity called Friends of Lhasa, my, for, which is a uh, public performing arts high school in L.A. in Koreatown. Um, uh, we uh, it, it uses uh, performing arts as a teaching tool uh, for all subjects, and they have like a they have a design, a tech, and an acting program. Uh, and you know, it's like a severely underfunded L.A. public school that has a 98 percent graduation rate. Like the school's incredible. Um, they do really good work. And one of the, one of the things I always say about it is like, it's like a tight, like everybody that goes to school is title one, like that free school lunch. Like it's it, it underserved population in Los Angeles. And one of the things that I always talk about when I talk about the charity is that like, generally you have heard from the, from the entertainment world that like diversity, both in front of and behind the camera is something that matters. But one thing that is one, one of the big deals about that is that, in order for you to have diversity in front and in front of and behind the camera, you have to have people that are trained for that. And so this is a school that trains people that, that trains people in acting design and tech. And, uh, uh, so you're going to have a more diverse workforce and that is the value in it. Because be, and the reason I say that is because you kind of have to quantify in a capitalist way why these things are worth it. They're like, oh, whatever. Like, what is that going to do for the world to teach them about? If someone to wanted to help performing arts. Fund it, where could they go? Uh, they could go to Venmo uh, at Friends of Lhasa. They could go to friendsoflasa.org, L-A-H-S-A. Um, and there's also, there is like, gendernation.org. I think you can go course. on both sites. Actually, there is like, you can donate here and then you can like leave a, like leave a tip, which is just a, like buys him a cup of coffee. So you can like also include that in your donation <laughs> to the charity if you want. And then that all, that money goes directly to me. Do you I'll take, take it an Americano cream, with oat sure, milk. Yeah. Yeah, How do you take it? It just is Americano with some milk. I'm not trying to be fancy. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not asking for too much. I'm just asking for you to add $4 to your charitable donations. Just cow milk? Just straight up cow milk. You like, like a cow's milk. Or I'll do you like an oat some milk. oat milk every okay. once in a while? I'm a, straight up. Midwest, Wisconsin, I'm, I've, I think I'll always cow milk it. Really? I haven't really... I like a good oat or almond milk. Oat's I'm the not, only one that I found that's moved me off the... Yeah. I've wanted to go that route but i just I, I i can't do it you know what in cereal it's no it's a no-brainer you can go almond milk or oat milk really? i feel like yeah. almonds a bridge too far i feel like i tried it and it didn't work because the oats, cereal mixes with it yeah. anyways it oats turns into a milkshake I'm getting, some, I'm getting some agreement over here yeah here's how i feel about cereal it's terrible for you yes i'm just gonna have the milk because okay, if i'm trying cereal. to go healthy no i do it's like a snack okay. but like if i'm trying to go healthy just not gonna have the cereal you sure. know like if I'm gonna cocoa pebble it, like oh do I God. really want to put really do I really need you. to put oat milk in it? Yeah. You know, like or yeah. even, 
It's like, oh, that's some frosted video meats. But no, I can't. No, we don't have oat milk. I'm, I mean, I guess for the lactose intolerant community, I, I yeah. understand that is a need. Do we need but, to refer to them as a community? Though? I don't know. Do we need to like, I well, know lactose we intolerant be, friends, I, I think I, is what you're supposed to every say. Every episode yeah. I'm notified how I leave out some, or I, I said something or did something, or I don't, I'm just trying to acknowledge everyone and... There, I, I saw something recently which was like somebody pointing out that like you know if somebody spends too much time on Twitter because they ca they they do like a pre caveat for everything they say which is like I understand that uh, this like you know but I have thought about the next sentence that I'm going to say and oh my it's God, this like really that, that but there is also like you know I don't know it went around recently no it, it, there is there at and I'm as guilty of that and I try to say to myself okay this is me being more empathetic and me yeah. understanding and at the same time trying to find the balance between empathetic but still being my genuine self yes. and, and saying what I feel, think and feel yeah. while not, you know, offending anyone. The but lactose intolerant community. The kid last lactose intolerant. Or lactose intolerant friends. Or lactose friends. Intolerant. That's the politically correct but if way I to met, say it. But if I met a dickhead who was lactose, lactose intolerant, I wouldn't want to call him a friend. Well, that's what I'm saying. I don't want Only to call the him a friends. friend. Only the nice ones. You're not Only? really trying to service the needs of the mean boy. Oh, got it. Okay. People. So, okay. So we are being excluding when we yes. are being exclusive. If when they're we say jerks, friends. you're not yeah. catering to their needs. If you're like, if you're Jay Cutler and you're lactose intolerant, get the fuck yeah, out of here. I don't have any, I don't have the time of day for I don't like have finding a substitute. Honestly, either drink the cream I got or go to the store or, yourself. Or go to, you know what, Jay? Get, get in your goddamn pickup truck and drive to the store and get your own oat milk. Yeah, smoking Jay Cutler. Put another cigarette in your mouth. <laughs> Can't you a smoker? Have you ever been a smoker? People? What? Have you ever been a smoker? I've never smoked a cigarette in my life. Really? Um, it's I've, fucking I, cool. I, uh, I've, I've <laughs> I dabbled in the THC. Okay. Oh, yeah. I'm part of that community. Do you have like a good uh, cigar aficionado friends base here on here? your podcast? Like, are there a lot of cigar people? I doubt it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Coffee drinkers, though. Yeah. Okay, nice. Also, I stopped going to, interesting that you mentioned the coffee is I, it was the pandemic that were one, th I tried to find the silver lining in anything and not mm -hmm. that the pandemic was good at all, mm -hmm. but I now learned the benefits of home brewing coffee because prior to that, I was strictly, I'd always walk and get my coffee, coffee, LA has some great local yeah. yeah, coffee establishments, and I would always just go spend four bucks or five bucks on a cup of coffee as part of my morning routine. And now I just brew coffee at home, and it's way better. What you have to do is get on a political satire uh, HBO show, and then when you go to those coffee shops, yeah. you're not spending four dollars. So you brew, brew at home or just go out. It's the same. I've never been. Even if they have a mask sign, take your mask take off. Take your mask and off. go in so they recognize if you. Yeah. Like and then put it back on. Like, oh, I forgot. And or if it's like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. My name's Tim Simons. Yeah. Like you just say so can that. You put your mask back on. Sorry, I just wanted you to know it was me. <laughs> I just wanted you to know it was me. Yeah. Did you want a selfie? Yeah. <laughs> no, put your mask on, sir. Matt, I'd be remiss for my audience to not talk about Father Bride, uh, of which yeah. you are part of the cast. You're in Father of the Bride. Yeah. The, it's, the small one, small part. I play a marriage counselor for excuse me i play a marriage counselor for andy garcia and gloria estefan so i got to do a scene with them and that was really fun wait is that real yeah they're how'd doing you, a new reboot yeah. of father the bride 
And it's a Cuban family and a Mexican family oh, getting married. Oh, not the Steve Martin. Martin. Yeah. No, no, oh, this is a new one. Okay. It's a reboot. Is it out yet? Is it out? No, no. Okay. I don't know when it's coming out, but that's... Yes. We're very good at how, promoting things. How, how, how is it going to be different? Is it how much of the original uh, in terms of the theme? Is it a totally different storyline? Essentially the same? I mean, I was a big Father of the Bride fan as a child. Father of the Bride 2, arguably I think better. it's about... It's one of the better sequels. And, and I'll cinematic. have to watch it again. I wasn't super familiar with the first no. two. I think the first one I saw, but I think it's about the culture clash between like a, a Cuban family, Andy Garcia's family, and I forget the people who played the Mexican parents, but I think it's about those culture clashing inside the Hispanic community. So I think it's an interesting take. Yeah, and yeah. I got to work with uh, Andy Garcia, who's amazing, very nice. That's cool. so like the original Gloria father, Estefan, yeah, the best, like so sweet. Original so. Father Bride was just like the clash between one rich family and an even more rich family. <laughs> 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 like Steve Martin's character well, was like owned a small shoe oddly company. Oddly enough, these are both wealthy families. Oh, are they? Yeah, too? yeah. One okay. fam. Well, I don't want to ruin anything. I don't know what I can say. One family kills the other family. No, one <laughs> family has a lot more money than the other family. So, so similar it's funny you say that. that. Yeah, yeah, I guess it is similar. Yeah, S similar in that way. Yeah. And you play a counselor. Marriage counselor. Mar yeah. Marriage counselor. It must have been fun. Oh my God, so fun. I think it was the first thing I did right out of pandemic. I think it was in April or May. Where did you shoot May? it? In Atlanta. I was in Atlanta for like only three days, four days. Just a couple scenes. But uh, it was really fun to like go back to work. I remember that too. Yeah. Gloria Stefan was there? She was in the scene. Yeah, we did our scene. What was yeah. cooler, Andy Garcia or Gloria Stefan in terms of being able to work with legends both was either one i of them guess the novelty of gloria was more uh interesting because i've met andy and i worked on ghostbusters with him and i've bumped into him at various things occasionally so andy's he remembers me he's very nice so i think oh, meeting yeah, you're gloria, friends with andy i wouldn't say friends but he might know my name he might think i'm the other matt walsh that's why he <laughs> likes me i don't know but <laughs> he the, knows uh, you're not yeah the gloria of it all was very cool and i i did pepper her a little bit just to kind of get her story and I did do a selfie. I, I was that guy. I said, you wouldn't mind if I got a selfie with you. And that was it. What did she say? She was delightful. She's like, of course. Oh, that's nice. I did that with David Beckham. Yeah, why not? Oh, like, yeah, if you're a real cool. fan, why yeah. not? Uh, and, and I did the very thing that I have criticized people of doing with me is that um, I, I first told David, my mom and sisters are going to really like this. And I was like, what the fuck? I, I'm, I'm asking for me. This has nothing to do with my yeah. mom or sister. But I like discredited uh, like uh, the importance a, to you. I was like, yeah. I don't want a picture with you, David. Yeah. This is beneath This me. is like, this, this is, is for is my mom. Me. And I was like, no, this is, I, I'm sorry. I, I wanted the picture with you, but I, I found myself. It was a very meta, self-aware moment for me. Yeah. I have a funny. friend who, I have a friend who uh, is, really well-known matt damon uh matt damon have Brad you heard Pitt? of him i know matt damon come on um he's he's i mean he's well known uh no i have a friend Talented who is uh, well known in like the golf podcasting community he's like well known in like sort you're of golf. like a, an amazing golfer I, i'm yeah. not amazing i'm okay i just really like it i just really like it okay uh and we were uh, he was uh, he, he recently we were playing together and he was like in the locker room and somebody recognized him he's a very recognizable guy he's very funny he's really personable really wonderful guy somebody recognized him in the locker room and he had like just gotten out of the shower and he was like oh what's up my dude like they started like started talking and then they were like cool 
and like they talked for a minute and then the guy just like kept calling in people like like hey hey get in here get in here and, like so like all of a sudden like five or six like, people we're already just, best friends I we're already you, best friends but like there are moments where it's like this is not the time yeah like this, like yeah, like yes. I'm not saying no. You should never do this, but like also remember the situation. And like in a towel is not maybe the best. Maybe not the best. Yeah, one. it's that's even worse than the going for the mid bite of food right as dinner is being served. Yeah. Sorry for interrupting your meal. However, do you say no? Yeah. Will you tell people to wait till after you're done? I don't have the guts. It's interesting. I yeah. I, I what sometimes I'll give the sigh of disappointment. Be like sure. Like a small eye roll. Oh, that's devastating. I don't know that I've ever been interrupted mid-bite in a meal. No, I've never, no, I've never been. But I'd like to think I'd have the wherewithal to go, you know what? When I leave, can we can we do this when I leave? I've done that. Yeah. I've been like, I, I don't I... think that's terrible to look yeah. like, hey, I'm like really enjoying myself, but I will give you what you want. Yeah. I've had that happen on a plane. Someone will come up like, hey, in the middle of the plane ride. I'm like, can we just do it at the when we all get off the plane? So I'm not standing up in the middle of an aisle while everyone's like, "Who the fuck is this guy? And why are you oh, taking a picture?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have gotten off the plane. I was, and I've waited. I was fortunate enough to work with uh, the amazing Jessica Lang on a movie that didn't turn out so great. But we flew back from Spain to America first class, and somebody as she was like knocking out, you know, she's getting her rest and long distance flight, and somebody's like, "Ting ting," taps on the shoulder, and she like kind of wakes up or. And she, I think she might even have the sleep thing, getting ready to go down. And the person said, oh, my God, I love you. Can I get a picture? And she's like, oh, my God, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> and I so respect her. Like, was yeah. like, oh, my God, no, no. Well, she did it in such a way. <laughs> where and she was like, like, plink, put the things down in, like, headphones. And, and she's right. She's right. Like, come on. No. She's, and also, she's Jessica Lange. Like, give her some space. Yeah, it, it's Jessica Lange. I don't feel like I have that clout to say no. Yeah, but there are opportunities where you meet someone and you have to risk the shame of being a fan because you kind of want to like get a relic of it. Yeah. Even though I don't look at a picture of somebody I took with them ever, I might send it to a friend or like you say, my sister loved. I remember one time I was a, being in LA, I moved out here and I stumbled into a room with John Cryer who played Ducky in Pretty in Pink, which is my sister's favorite movie. And at some point I pestered him and God bless him, he was so nice and he left her this fun message on her answering machine or voicemail not answering machine and it was so sweet of him but in retrospect now i'm like i bet i was kind of hammering him to do that like that's kind of aggressive and i i kind of felt like i bet i was not a good fan in that situation but he was so gracious he was yeah. so gracious i think it just depends on how you approach it if you yeah. are, are gracious and thankful and asking usually you get the graciousness in return i think there's yeah. an awkwardness yeah. when people yeah, ask yeah. where I think the mistake sometimes people make, and I and I can tell they're no, they don't mean it. But there's like I want you to think that I'm at your level. I don't want you to think I'm a fan, and in doing so, I'll be offensive. Like yes. I don't even care, like whatever. But like do this thing, just do it. Hey, can you just? And they'll like order you, and I don't think they're trying to be rude, but it comes across as very dismissive, as opposed to the story you tell. It's like, hey man, I'm just I am acknowledging that I'm asking for something and he's just like you know what because everyone likes to help someone and you just make if you make someone feel like you're going to make their day it's much easier to want to do something for them and how hard is it to be if someone likes what you do so they walk into an interaction where they are they, they appreciate what you do 
And all you really have to do is say, "Why, thank you." Yeah, like that's not yeah. a hard interaction to have. Yeah, that makes on it the easier. celebrity yeah. side or on the I, fame side. I you get know what I mean. Yeah, because I get really bad because I just have like I'm a, I can be very honest, and when I see the the other side when they're when they're trying to not be gracious or whatever, yeah. I'll have a way of calling it out, and I yeah. sh I need to let it go. But like sometimes I'm just like, "Really, your mom? Is it your? Because you haven't watched?" And I'm like, <laughs> she that? You know, and so that's okay. The though. only celebrity my mom has ever cared about is Albert Brooks, and she doesn't really care who I meet or who I talk to or who I work with. It always comes down to, do you think if when I'm in LA we might run into Albert Brooks? <laughs> that's the only person she cares about. That's amazing. That's probably for the best, though. It is kind of great. Yeah. It is kind of great. Well, I'll bring it back to Veep before we wrap up. Um, obviously, that show has so many comedy legends in it and then you have julia you have tony obviously you're you, you you two as well tony and julia come from other popular shows like seinfeld and arrested development were you guys fans of those shows or were there a lot of conversations about like when they were on set about them reminiscing uh, about those shows and then i'm also curious about uh, the improv if at all there's so many improvisational people on that were you guys pretty much on script or how much of it were you guys just kind of playing around, see what worked and, and uh, were you able to take some credit for the, what seemed to be brilliant writing? <laughs> <laughs> so when it came to the first question, I was a fan of both of those shows and there was like a learning thing in like, especially when it came to Arrested where I have watched that show so many yeah. times. I know every little moment and every little joke. And I would talk to Tony. He's like, what were you guys thinking? Like, like this, this seemed to set up this and it seemed to set up this. And he was like, honestly, I didn't know. None of us knew. It was chaos. Like, so there is that thing of like the things that you think everybody is so like thought out so purposely and put everything in place. And they were just tapping these dominoes that fell. Like some of it was planned, but a lot of it was accident. Like a lot of it, I do feel like a lot of genius is found by accident. Yeah. If you're being completely honest, like yeah. you can be pompous and take credit for everything, but the, the fortune, you know, the lightning of a, in a bottle of anything is just, you're a little lucky, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, th so like being fans of both Tony and of course of Julia going in, I think in other situations, honestly if they were different people it might have been intimidating but they were very like julia like set a very welcoming tone from the top or mando sent a very welcoming tone from the top so it felt very collaborative early on that's cool um, yeah. and very supportive early on yeah because i would i would see how that could be intimidating i mean it was otherwise yeah. even with that i was very intimidated yeah but, i think i wasn't like a super fan of either show but i i knew tone i actually Tony and I bumped into each other in New York because we were both like commercial actors back in the day. So we're sort of the same like generation of youngsters coming out. And uh, we, and then Julia, I just felt like was a already sort of a comedy icon, like beyond yeah. that show. I just feel like she's very respected. So Julia, I was definitely intimidated by, but I never felt the urge to like go through Seinfeld episodes with her because I hadn't seen a bunch. So it wasn't like a fan of that show, okay. but I did have obviously very hyper like reverence for julia for whatever reason yeah this is like iconic just going yeah. in like pre-veep like yeah well, i mean yeah. i was more like i get to interview guys who worked with julia <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, that's uh, there and when it came to like there was a fair amount of improvisation but 
it was mostly we had a rehearsal process that not a lot of other shows have. How so? That like we would show up, we like before the pilot, we showed up to film nine days early. We did costume fittings, we did all the normal stuff, but then we would just go into a, a boardroom in the hotel we were staying in, and we would just rehearse. We would read the scenes, talk put about them on their them, feet, put them on their feet, try to add new things. Well, what would like Armando might say, like, well, what would happen if in this situation there were reporters badgering her with questions while she's trying to fix something? So we would then just play reporters in a scene, like if it was a scene between mm -hmm. Tony and Julia, we would like just Walsh and I and and. Uh, and read. We might just play reporters and try to throw things out at them, try to trip them up to see what came out of it. And we, I um, think we were encouraged in a very wonderful way, which is so rare, to take ownership of those characters through Armando yeah. and through Julia. I think we were encouraged to make them our own. And I think like the Brits always impressed me because they could dissect our garbage culture and our political structure yeah. and our history. Like they're just so much smarter seeming. And, uh, but I think what they wanted a little zhuzh on was the vernacular, like the way we, we would phrase things, the way like Jonah might say something or way Mike, like for these voices to emerge and the rhythms of the, those voices. I think Arm and the writers were very game for that to like take shape before them and, and play with that. Yeah, and I feel like you saw that as the show evolved and it was really... Well, that's like storylines too. Yeah, absolutely. Like it did evolve. And I think we said the, just recently we were talking about the show... I don't know that from day one they knew where that show was going on season seven. Like I don't, I think it was just a ride. Yeah, in many ways, the ending credits of the show almost kind of had its own kind of special feel. Yeah. Something you looked forward to was yeah. that. Is that something you guys knew or started from the beginning, or once you realized it became a thing, did you find yourselves trying to like do more improvisation with those moments, or they were were they just fine moments while you guys were shooting to make a, a, a I, like an outro out of it? I think there was always a sense because that actually came from Armando's previous show in the UK, the okay. thick of it. They had that sort of that credits roll scene and usually it just meant it was meant to sort of give you a sense of feeling of lived in that like when the show was ending it still continued yeah, on like, like it never ended up on like a button and i think just as the show went on the story got more and more dense and then all of a sudden it was like you just needed the time in the, the real credits. estate you needed the real estate to actually like still tell the story so like major information was still coming out yeah in like some of those credit roll scenes yeah, but i think it in the first couple of years, there was sometimes a sense of like what the tone would be in those scenes. So not that you would play into it, you would still play the scene, but you knew that those ones might be a little bit more quiet, a little bit more conversational maybe. Yeah, and I think keeping it live, like for whatever reason in the first two seasons, let's say, we were always keeping it live because you didn't know when the camera was going to find you. And then we would also do longer page chunks like a play because we enjoyed it and we would run follow Selena through a hall and then we'd go to her office and then you'd leave the scene, but you'd come back in 30 seconds and, and it was like a play. And as a result of that, I think some of those things that we captured, you never knew if you're going to be on camera. So you just kept behaving. I remember you were just pointing out on one episode where Jonah makes coffee because he's kissing ass to the president. He just knew that like he might be on camera. Tim was so he's just like, I guess I'll make coffee now. Like, I just actually had to go over and just like, well, I have to prepare the actual coffee. It yeah, like just, theater in the round. And yeah. that also is a wonderful, it's like hitting the boards as a young comedian. It's like getting hours. It's like you really in this character and you can't drop the character until they say cut. You know what I mean? That's great training and that's wonderful experience because I think it benefited all of us. Yeah. And there was a great thing that happened 
that like sort of as we got a little more comfortable, I know that this happened for me and I would say that it happened for you too, is that every once in a while, like it was a very collaborative atmosphere and you could add stuff. And after a little while, I think like, I know I did this, that I would just ask for forgiveness rather than permission. Like if I had an idea, yeah. you would just be like, we all trusted yeah. each other enough. It's like, I can go over to Video Village and pitch this joke and take a couple minutes trying to explain it. Or I can just try it in this take. And if it doesn't, if it works, they'll be like, great, keep it. And if it doesn't, they'll be like, don't do it this time. You know what I mean? But there was like a trust that you could try something without them being like, you know what? You just fucked up this take. You just fucked up that whole scene. You threw everybody off. And like, why'd you do that? You know, you didn't yeah. have my permission to do that. We so just a very kind of this. creative, uh, welcoming atmosphere. To, yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm sure that must have played a big role in how the show evolved and continued to be so successful. Yeah. At what point when you guys were filming the show, did you guys, was there ever, like, did you think, oh, this is going to be big coming in, you know, Julia's our lead, it's going to be awesome, or at some point we we're like, holy shit, this is one of the best shows on TV right now. Like, were you ever like, did you ever have a holy shit I, moment? I, I always that? felt excited and psyched that the show would be funny because of Armando. I liked the Steve Coogan show, uh, Alan Partridge yeah. and Arm was a part of that. So I was super psyched of his like history and I'd seen in the loop, I believe. So I was very excited about that. And obviously working with Julia and then the fact that there was like some like looseness to it, like the realness played to, you know, I like a little bit of improv, like Tim saying, you can throw stuff in and take chances. So I always felt fairly confident that it would be funny because of the quality of the people making it. But you, I didn't know the crossover to who would care about it or how many people would care about it or whatever. Yeah, because sometimes they take on a life of its own. Like like we talked about Arrested Development. Yeah. It was never fully appreciated until like, it was like off the air. I mean, yeah. it was accredited and won awards, but yeah. they became a whole new level of uh, popular after the fact. I kind of assumed that we would be a niche comedy in that way of like, I always assumed that people would find it and people would think it was funny, but yeah. I never, I actually did not think it would cross over in the way that it did. Not that I have any sort of like, in the, you know, I don't have any sort of. Yeah, but when you're a part of something, it's natural to wonder or think yeah. or consider. And yeah. like you had, well, a here's thought. a hypothetical. Yeah. What do you ever wonder if our podcast will be bigger than the veep show? Seconded command, our rewatch podcast. I Could think it, it already <laughs> is. I think it already Could it is. eclipse the fame? Of I mean, like, look, I can't go anywhere. I get mobbed. I get mobbed. The, just the from the show, podcast? The show dropped yesterday. Second in Command dropped yesterday. I haven't. My phone has been just buzzing. So this is people watching night. the video. You, you can't. Yeah. You're, they recognize you. You're, you're coffeeed out. I am coffeeed out. I had seven cups of coffee before I got here. I, can, I just kept saying yes because you never know when the last <sighs> one is going to happen. Don't offend anyone. Oh, avoid Silver Lake, man. Coffee. That's coffee country. I, know, I, Silver I, Lake. So, I was just dumping them out of the car window. You know what I mean? I was just throwing the cup like just out on the street. Somebody's. I mean, somebody else is going to clean that up, not me, because I'm on a very famous podcast. I don't want any more coffee. I don't want any more coffee. I don't want any more of your texts of congratulations for being the biggest podcast in America. Thank you. I know I'm on the biggest podcast in America. You don't need to tell me that. I'm the most famous man that's ever lived. Well, it's, Veep yeah. is a very rewatchable show. It's the type of show you put on late at night and watch and pick up jokes that you didn't yes, watch the first true. time. Yeah. And now yeah. that you guys have your show, I think you're are going to be the biggest podcast. And I think if there are people in your audience that are like comedy nerds, I think like one of the things that we do is we break down jokes. I do think we do really go into sort of like what was uh, like the creation. How did a joke change? How did it evolve? How did, where was it in the table read? Where did it end up? 
you know, where did that moment come from or what makes that moment work? I think that's another interesting thing that we're doing. Also, yeah. I, oh, go ahead. No, it does. It builds out a fuller world around each episode. So it's like the full story of hopefully if we do a good job, it's the full story of the whole seven or 10 years we spent together. Yeah. But great information on how jokes and storylines and things like that evolved. And you also- and, and, and also societal context. We try to like, so if you remember 2013, this was going on in DC. So we try to provide those contextual clues as well. And bringing experts as well. You had a memory expert on your- Tons yeah. of experts, so yeah. We'll have more experts. People love experts on this show, so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You brought us on as fame experts. They're just, no, Veep experts, We're life, life experts. A very yeah free coffee Co- experts, coffee yeah. experts and so yeah i think fame experts is fair too i agree with tim, I agree with tim. we are Thank fame you. experts uh guys it's been a real pleasure having you before i let you go we like to play just a real simple game with our guests to learn even more about them it's called okay. do you know me okay um you guys are down to play yeah I'll yeah play. great can i pass or i have to play no one's no one's passed sorry go ahead passed but um you know, you do can. I get a pass? Can I say next question? Um, yeah. Do you know me with Matt and Tim? Here we go. That was really good. I liked your introduction. I like to your go like game voice. show. I'm I trying, you know, I'm trying I like to Where was show. that energy yeah. the rest of the interview? I feel like you just came alive for that moment. Yeah, now I'm really self-conscious. No, no should we start over? Have a nice should we start over? We can yeah. start the, <laughs> But just like all of a sudden, you're just like fucking right there. You guys are intimidating. That's that's not true. I... We are very famous, though. And that actually, yeah, I suppose that. I mean, we are on the biggest podcast in the United States. Tim dressed for a a round of golf, by the way, I must say. I have a tendency to forget what I'm going to. The video cast of it all? Well, there was one time I was in Austin, and I had to go on this, like, NPR show. And I was like, okay, it's NPR, so. Radio. I, I was radio, right? So I dressed like it was for radio, and I was so hungover. I have never looked more like a hunk of shit in my entire life. And the guy, and it turns out that this was on camera and I looked like an absolute turd. And the host who I have run into two or three times in like the seven years since it happened will never not bring it up that I looked like absolute shit. And so that happened again today. I kind of forgot that there was going to be a video aspect. Of I this. you look fine. think you look great. Uh, yeah. Thank um, you. You're being too nice. I'm wearing. You look even, great. Don't you even look know great. You look wearing. fashionable. You have cool shoes. You have cool uh, laces. shoelaces. Yeah. I, they were, I little, get, you know, I was gifted these shoes a while back, and I I don't feel totally comfortable in them. And if I'm being honest, but I was compelled by my girlfriend to wear them. I think they look great. I think you're doing really well. Uh, you got a whole great thing going on. I look like I look like somebody dragged me through a, a, a blind closet. You look fine. Thank you. I don't know what a blind. Do you golf at all? I don't either. I do. You do. I'm not as good. He's probably better. I mean, pretty much. He's more dedicated. One thing I actually related. In- what is your handicap? Twelve. Oh my God, you're so much better than yeah, me. I'm not. I'm not I'm like good at golf. Twenty-four. I don't love golf, and actually, the line you give in old school. I hate golf. Is something I really resonated with. <laughs> <laughs> Where I feel like I should, I'm not allowed in my community of of you know you white dudes from golf. the Midwest to hate golf. You can hate <laughs> golf. I was like, fucking hate golf. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, I feel seen. Can uh, you do the Can you do the intro again? Do you know me? With yes, that's so good. Matt and Tim. Does Matt and and or Tim mm-hmm. know what the largest state in the United States is? Alaska. Alaska. Okay. Can either Tim or Matt 
Name the last bachelor on ABC. No, not me. No. Pass. A guy who was on the bachelor had like was a ran a contracting company and then yes he also worked on our back door yeah and then he was on the bachelor and then after the bachelor he went back to his contracting company and he like built he like did the renovations on the who's that his name is uh Juan. Juan. Juan Pablo one Bobby one Barbieri he's great he's a contractor in the Los Angeles area if you need a contractor he's really lovely he was also on the bachelor so I know he wasn't the bad no he was bachelorette okay so I guess the short answer is neither one of us know that question were you the bachelor I was whoa has Matt or Tim ever been an unpaid intern unpaid intern I have been a barely paid intern no I have been an unpaid intern I have both been an unpaid intern and a barely paid intern the least money I've ever made as an intern was $50 a week. I guess I never interned. Yes. I don't yeah. think I ever interned anywhere. $50 a week. Yeah. I mean, they gave you like food and a place to stay, but you made $50 a week. And I was a pretty heavy smoker. What was the job? I was working at the theater. That was the theater at Monmouth in Monmouth, Maine. It's a wonderful theater, Shakespearean theater. Um, I grew up watching plays there. It's a really unbelievable place to work. I loved it. Uh, and they gave you food and you're out in the middle of nowhere performing Shakespeare and uh, uh, you get paid 50 bucks a week. And I was a heavy smoker and all that money just went to, I got food and a place to stay from them and I got cigarettes from the $50 a week and that was it. You, you no longer smoking? I'm no longer smoking now, no. Congratulations. Thank you. You smoked your way through $50 a week? Uh, I mean, easily. Wow, Yeah, that's aggressive. Back then, probably get a lot of cigarettes for that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I was packing a half, two a day. Jesus. I was doing it. I was doing it. Can Matt and Tim drive a stick shift? Yes. Yes, 100%. It's a lost art. I don't think that... Yeah, it's probably diminishing vehicles that go out with stick shifts. I think now if you want to buy a stick shift, you have to like try to... Yeah, you have to like... Go out of your way. Yeah. Yeah. Has Matt and Tim ever had a crush on a friend's sibling? any yeah yeah there was a girl in post-college era that i had a crush on that i knew her sister i mean i guess this is the time to tell my friend nick that like i always thought emily was cute when i was growing up okay older sister yeah there you go all right emily she's married she's got kids now okay would matter tim rather go bungee jumping or skydiving oh fucking hell really i had to i don't know if i'll do have you done either no why bungee jumping uh oddly I feel like it's safer. Isn't that crazy? I feel like I'm less likely to die. Skydiving? I think you're... Bungee. Okay. Run the numbers, I don't know if this will change your answer, but bungee jumping, you're going from zero to 100, so the inertia or the the sensation of your stomach jumping, dropping is there. When you skydive, there's none of that because you're already going... 200 miles per hour oh gotcha and you're just changing directions so it just feels like you're flying rather than falling and it's a lot of fun i've never bungee jumped but i don't i i i i support skydiving i'm legitimately terrified of heights so i i truly don't ever want to do either of those yeah have either of you have been stood up on a date stood up yeah full-on just no show no no but let's also throw in the caveat, like, I'm also very, like, odd-looking, and so I didn't, like, go on a lot of dates. You so know I what just, I mean? Like, I'm not, like, a... Not really. You're 
pretty. You're I kind of look like a bird of prey, like a like kind of a muskratty bird of prey. So <laughs> like, there are a lot less more fortunate looking people. In there, this no, world. for sure. But I'm just saying, like, I wasn't like you know like going out on like a lot of dates. Okay. So I've never been stood up. No. Have either did did you guys uh, fail your first driving test? No, I passed it. Really? No, I passed it. Yeah. I failed first time. You four times. Four times. Was it the written or the driving part? Wow, you just got nervous. I was an automatic fail because I was at a stop. I was at a four-way uh, stop intersection where the other one didn't have the stop sign. So I was like, "Oh, it's time to go." There's a car coming, and the guy, I was, they're like, "I almost got in a, I basically got almost got in an accident. Oh shit! Wait, in a blizzard, you passed. Wow. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah, you were good at that point. It's funny. Have either of you ever been stoned? around your parents yeah yes bunch of times nice nicely done matt tim it's been a real pleasure having you uh it's been a ton of fun really thank you for coming on and uh please let everyone know where they can listen to second in command your new podcast the most popular podcast the most the popular podcast, podcast i mean everybody already knows where to find it i know it but for it the, is the most popular podcast if you're living under ever. a rock where can you find it you can find it wherever you listen to podcasts wherever you listen to podcasts Cast Media. It's, uh, it's uh, put on by Cast Media. Uh, second in command of Veep Rewatch Podcast. Apple iTunes. Spotify. Probably on YouTube somewhere. Yeah, on YouTube I somewhere. I, I, I watched it on YouTube. Oh, you did? You can That's watch it on YouTube. Enough. Okay. Um, uh, I, yeah, I don't know. I feel like we're pretty affable, wonderful guys. Yeah. Got, we uh, have a good relationship. Good on uh, the gram. You guys got some Instagrams. Yeah. Yeah, felt. I'll throw out some grams. Every I'll once take in a while. the compliment. I'm not good on social media, but I'll take the compliment. This is a nice family friendly environment on your Instagram. Good. I'll take it. Yeah. I'll take it. <laughs> I don't yeah. it's less embarrassing than mine. I'm not active. <laughs> yeah. Embarrassing? Do you put embarrassing things up? I put things up that I would never put up had I never been on a reality TV show and now use my social media as a way to, you know, make money and promote oh, my God. business. And mm -hmm. and sometimes like I try to make it fun and not to but you know, anytime you go back like six months, you're just like, wow. Mm, yeah. Really? Yeah. You're cringing at yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. It's fine. Like, no judgment, I guess, but I definitely would not be doing it otherwise. But yeah, that's yeah. sort of normal. Like, I think it is necessary yeah, in this day and age to like yeah. promote yourself. You need to be on social media. Yeah. And I try to expand my creative comfort zone and, and do things and judge myself less, but I digress. We're all yeah. a work in progress. We're a work in progress. Except for, I love me, except for Welsh and I. We're doing great. Congratulations. We've fully yeah. evolved. Yeah. <laughs> this is the best it's going to get. I have nothing left to learn. Yeah, <laughs> no, truly. I have no innovation, no evolution left. I've reached the highest form. What happens when you've reached the highest form of human being? I mean, I think it's Do like you that. turn into light? Like, I think you, you turn forever? into light. Infinite yeah. light? You're just everywhere. Lightness and air? Yeah. That's why we didn't turn the lights on. It's just... This is all being powered all by how much we've learned. <laughs> All from Matt. <laughs> thanks, you guys. I appreciate it. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. Don't forget to send your questions at asknickacastme.com. Cast with a K for your Ask Nick episodes. And we will be back on Monday. <laughs>